I think it's very uh, important to do not discriminate anybody. Do not discriminate not only on the shape of somebody, but do not discriminate even on the age. Because, you know, it's not a problem of age. I don't care about age. I think the, the, the most important thing is to dress a soul. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. The Italian fashion designer Giambattista Valli is a romantic at heart. Italian by birth, but now in France, his beginnings in Rome to his current city of Paris has shaped him as a poetic and heartfelt designer. I have followed his career and remember the moment he started his own brand 17 years ago and then his haute couture a decade ago. Jamba, as his enthusiasts call him, has now become an established designer on the Paris Fashion Week circuit. We are going to hear the extraordinary journey in which he achieved the dream of owning his own brand, supported by François Pinault, founder of the Luxury Caring Group and the investment holding company Artemis. The Giambattista Valley brand now hosts a bridal business, a beach club line and a tableware collection. Let's hear from Jamba about his muses, red carpet dressing, becoming a father and his view on seeing fashion as sacred. I mean, I can sit here and look at your necklace, which is always so beautiful. <laughs> Lovely. It's part of myself now. Would you like to start on my exciting questions? Of course, I'm ready. <laughs> Just asking. <laughs> I'm always excited to talk with you, uh, Susie. Well, of course, I love um, talking, but I like it also because of the um, secrets that I can find when I talk to people. You're fresh back on a trip to America. You were in LA, I think, and then in New York. And... Um, was it fresh territory for you and the brand? And did you have a good trip? Was it something new, exciting, or just checking through? It was mostly like, to, you know, US is one of my, probably my biggest market, my main market. It's, it's extremely important and important in a point of view of the business, but in a point of view even of, uh, of all the window, because, uh, you know, all the, my friends, my celebrities, my all the stylists and then the major customers. So it was a long time that I didn't do a trip over there because of COVID. And so it was, it was a great occasion to, to meet them again, to meet this like group of friends that is made it by several rooms, the room with the celebrities, the room with the best customers, the rooms with the buyers, the room with the, so it was, a, it was a nice way to be all together and to have like a moment just to get in touch again, uh, not only in the backstage that is always frenetic of a, of a show, but really like sitting and chatting and to have a conversation and a nice like uh, welcome back in the States. Well, I know that um, the year 2022 has been rather a celebrity moment for you. <laughs> you started the company in 2005. And so it's sweet 17, 17 years old. And um, this is actually an achievement, isn't it, in the current era to start 
from nothing except your skill <laughs> and your imagination. <laughs> you say, right, uh, starting really from nothing. It started really just from a point of view, something that I wanted to tell, an obsession, and I build it up around, uh, around uh, these obsessions uh, on beauty, on, uh, on the women's wardrobe, uh, mostly at the beginning, on the historical side of this, this job, on the, on the passion that I have it on it the vision that I have on, on women's, on human being, we can say. And then I started as a, with, with a little collection. I remember, I still remember you on the first collection, by the way. I still remember all the friends that they came. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a, a show. It's supposed to be like, not even a show. I, I was supposed to do a presentation that was so lucky that I want something that they gave it to me, the money to, to do a, a, a proper fashion show. And I did the first special show and there was not enough seats for the guests. So the, the, the guests that were sitting, some, mostly of them, like on the floor. And it was very successful from the beginning. I started with the ready-to-work collection that it was really, really tight. And then little by little, I remember I used to, I used to have a very small show office uh, in the Rue Vieille du Temple. When Rue Vieille du Temple was very... Uh, the unknown, now it's the hot, the hot spot like in Paris, but at that time it was unknown. And it was the place that I used to work, do the fittings, do the preparation of the show, do the sales after the show, it was everything. And it was like a little studio and it was really amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, five years, six years after, I started to do in 2011, I started to do the, the, the couture, first couture collection. And after one year, I got uh, the nominations of uh, the nomination of uh, proper haute couture house in 2012. And so this year we wanted, you know, to celebrate the 10 years of uh, uh, getting the proper, uh, as you say, the proper nominations of Octura uh, proper fashion house. We should really tell the listeners here what an extraordinary thing it is to get the permission to join what has always been a tremendously, not secretive, but a very special organisation. And um, the Chambre Syndicale de la Haute Couture, really something um, special and um, important for you that moment, yes? It was extremely important because I was dreaming about this all my life, you know, to have, a, when, I, when I first arrived in Paris, on my first experience with, the proper haute couture house to at at Ungaro at Emmanuel Ungaro at the Ungaro house with Monsieur Ungaro, it was really my dream one day to you know to build up and to to build up. It was not like an ego trip. It was because you know I got it such a great cultural side. I, they passed me such a great cultural side of this profession that I thought it was very nice. It was beautiful if I could I could be like a bridge to bring this. Uh, culture from the past generation to the future generation. And I said to myself, it would be beautiful to be a bridge on bringing this tradition, to bringing this art, minor art, that it's an art, uh, to bring this um, passion of all these people, because, you know, haute couture is not only me, it's all the people that I work around. There is a lot of people working around. There is all the plus blanche, there is the premiere, the seconde, there's atelier, but then there are all the atelier around. All this minor art, they support and they, they realize your dream. The people working around the embroideries, around the feathers, around the fabrics, around, around everything. All, all this, like, how can I say, uh, laboratoire d'experimentation. And is it also for you, and has it been from the beginning, a kind of 
working together with Italy and France. I mean, Rome, the eternal city, they always call it. And um, I know that that's your birthplace. So that must have fed your imagination. But your business is really in France, in Paris. So what is what? What do you think has come from your Italian origins and what comes from your being in France and seeing all the work there? I think I'm Italian and I can say I'm Roman. And uh, <laughs> Rome, it's, uh, it's a place where proportions are like disproportionate. Everything is so huge, but we are so, how can I say, we are so comfort on it. No? There are buildings that they have like these uh, entrance that are enormous, buildings of uh, very hard buildings that are made up only by two floors and the seals and everything, the salon and everything, it's, 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 it's uh, disproportionate. And and they give it to you what I still have very intact. It's this disproportionate kind of uh, creativity in my mind. Everything in my creativity. When I go, for example, when I sketch haute couture, I always go to Rome like a, a week or like two weeks just to get that kind of disproportion or proportions in a way because it's my proportion roots. That's very interesting to me. I I never knew that. If you're doing the ready-to-wear collection, you stay in France. Or you also go to Italy for that? I, I love France for one thing. You know, France, they, it, it, it touched me many things, I can say. I, today, you know, I cannot dissociate from one to the other one because it's like 23 or 24 years that I live in France. So it's half of my life. But the beautiful things, so I have the both of them in DNA. But, you know, everything is shouted up in, in Rome, in Italy. Everything introspective in France. So I, I have the duality of the two things. In Italy, there is this kind of, um, how do you say, embellishment and protection and the support around the ideal of this, this woman that she's almost like a, a mother, a Madonna, whatever. And in France, the, in Paris, you have this kind of dynamism of this woman that she's independent and she's like, and she owns her own sexuality. So I have both the things that are like one opposite to the other one, but it's beautiful to find like the kind of balance between the two. So in France, I had this, they, they give it to me, the, the body give it to me on my profession. Of course, it's all the professional side around the atelier of haute couture. But if I have to think about the silhouette, if I have to think about the imaginary of this woman, this woman, she's much more free than the Italian, my, my woman in my Italian side. She's much more independent. She's much more um, in, in comfort with herself. She's much more, you see, French women, they are much more in, in hold of them. They don't need so much, so many makeup. They don't need so many hair too. They don't need so many, so many embellishment because they feel like beautiful just with their own skin. That this is in Italy is not the same. So there is something that I learned it about France, that there is something nervous about France that I love. I loved it because once she says something very interesting, Betty Catrou, she says, le goût du louche. So it's something that it's the taste of danger, but in a positive way. Yeah? So it's in France, there is a little bit this, that in Italy there is not. And that it's very interesting, this. These are very exciting things that you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to ask you a more basic question. What is the meaning of a fashion designer? Is it someone who's passionate about the job and um, everything that attracts attention? Or is it that clothes today are mostly made in such a way that there's no interest in the women who love them and want to have them? Now, you have always had that link in your mind. You always think of the women you want to dress 
Is that right? You know, I think that the secret of the success of uh, my creations is that every time that I create something, I create for a real woman, for the reality of a woman. So I have perfectly in mind the woman that she's going to wear the clothes. I think that fashion designer, for sure, first of the, for the first things, they have to be passionate about this job. Passionate, extremely passionate of it. Passionate doesn't mean that to be passionate only on the on the spot, the, you know, the bright side. You have to be passionate even about the difficult side or more introspective side or more uh, because sometimes there is even sometimes it's not only there is not only glamour in this in this work there is even the profession that it's you know it gives you the expertise on this job that is very important today you know there is like two different schools, but I think there is a little bit of confusion on it but you know confusion it always brings something positive so confusion is going to bring something new for sure there is a little bit of confusion because sometimes some fashion designer they are more to attract celebrities and some others that are really into like a conversation to uh, what they're gonna uh, bring as a new on a silhouette on the proportion on the uh, actuality of his uh, the the time today and and this person that is going to work today so i mean i mean i'm i'm a mix of the two because i love the idea to bring something every every time to put myself in danger and to to bring something new and to bring something new uh, relationated to the moment that we are living right now so never forgetting about the now but at the same time I love to to wear celebrities to we have that the kind of uh, very nice relationship so but the passion I think is the, the the most the most important ingredient we are not doing this job as a social statement i don't think so I was doing this job, or personally myself, I'm doing because I'm passionate on it. Passionate, extremely passionate. You have a pretty amazing fashion background. I mean, anybody who has worked with Roberto Capucci, the um, Italian fashion designer, I mean, he it's extraordinary what he produced. And um, I mean, I would say he was a fashion legend. What was it like when you worked for him? Did you feel you learned a lot or how did it go? Uh, Roberto Capucci is like really the first love. And as, as, as a first love, you never forget and never forget about him. It was the most extraordinary experience because, uh, you know, as, as I was telling you before about Rome, the disproportions, it was this person that it was like putting in uh, in an harmony in a graceful harmony dangerous disproportion that it was really like the first lesson that I got it the second things that I got it it was working for women and it was protecting them and it was supporting them and it was celebrate them and it was so respectful to them so it was never putting in danger them then the other things is there was the passions on the colors that it was so unexpected the way that it was putting this clash of colors but the colors they were studied in the way that every single volumes it was telling like you a story with the colors and another story with another tone so there was all this kind of a very celebrate kind of way to work on the clothes, almost as a sculptor. I think uh, Roberto Capucci, it's uh, really in between, between a creator and, and uh, a, a, a totally free uh, spirit artist. We cannot position him as a fashion designer. It's more like one of a kind. It, I'm very sorry because new generation, they really don't know 
uh, well about him. That mostly of them that they, they really don't know. But it's a pity because it's somebody that for me uh, is uh, what what used to be Cristobal Balenciaga for the French and the Spanish. Uh, Roberto Capucci is for the Italians, and it was for me. You know, it was the first job. I still remember arriving, and I have this obsession that I got it from him. Arriving in his atelier in Via Gregoriana and opening the door and having this like very thick and very very as you say um, magical like carpet moquette all over the all over the the atelier in ivory. Uh, giving that kind of uh, uh, no sound kind of atmosphere and to have always the same uh, the same fragrance the same smell getting in in it and giving to you this kind of getting into the world of monsieur roberto capucci getting in, inside almost like uh, in a religious sect almost like something like it's bizarre but so beautiful a bit oh, you're absolutely transporting me i imagine that i'm there <laughs> in this room um, with him and, of course, with you. Um, t tell me something about the time frame, because I'm a bit lost. Was this before you studied in London at Central St. Martins, or, or was it afterwards? Was it your first job after your um, work? I did it at uh, St. Martins, and then I went to Capuchin. But St. Martins, I did, uh, I did a course. I did, I, I did a course of illustrations over there. That's why I sketched really well. <laughs> I think so. And then um, I made this list of the places you've been. Just tell me if it's right. Um, so the brands you've worked for are Fendi with under Karl Lagerfeld. Yeah. And then Critzia, which is a, a name that's not so well known now as it was then. And then you moved to Paris and you became the creative director of Emmanuel Ungaro. Exactly. And you vitalised that house. How did you know, after all this, that it was time for you to start your own brand that you were talking about at the beginning? It came very naturally. You know, I was, I was doing all the experience because I just wanted from the beginning to do this. You know, it was... Uh, I was walking the way to arrive to this realization of a dream that it was the beginning of the story. You know, when I started to work at Capucci already at that time, I wanted one day to open my own story. So I started to, you know, it's almost like you're dubbing movie. So you're dubbing the voice of an actor. And one day you want to be the actor. So I was supporting the voices of Roberto Capucci and then that Fendi and then the Kritz and then Ungaro. And then one day I says, okay, but I want to talk my language. I want to, you know, I want to act myself. I want to pull it out, my story. I got the experience and it was important because what I can give it as a suggestion to a new generation, it's, it's very important to have the experience before to have a lot of experience, to have like in, impressing experience with people that it, they can, you can really get like they experience. And uh, it's very important because when you jump on your own, you are protected by all these experience. It's almost that, you know, when you go to the circus and you jump on the trampolino, if you have the experiences, you have the net under you and if you fell, you know, you fell on the net. So the experience is something that protects you because you can jump into the unknown of your future, but at the same time, you know, the experience, they help you to, you know, to get the way and to get far from mistakes or, you know, the mistakes are going to be more minimal in a way. And of course, we must give the credit also to um, François-Henri Pinot and um, his father who founded the um, business because they are the people, are they not, who really made things possible for you. You had got quite a long way already, but to be able to have the support 
of such an important company must have given you a kind of a feeling that you could actually get on and do all the things you wanted to do. But you know, it was something that it came very naturally. It was an approach one to the other one. And I tell you, just between the two of us, <laughs> no, but it was really another dream coming true. I always loved that this family, I always loved it the way they respected that to creative. I always loved it, the passion for art. They always loved it, the passion for the excellence on the, on, on the, all the things that they own. They, they own excellence and they support it. And I always loved the way they respect the creative expression, they respect uh, the social expression. So there is something that I really always loved it. And the moment that arrived, you know, it was another dream coming true. So the Pinos, father and son, approached you and helped you to start up your dream. We are, we are like together, like uh, bringing uh, the, the Maison to another level. So it was like, I was like a young designer. So I started to do my own Maison after five years that it was the Maison Haute Couture. And then I was the hot designers. And then, you know, and now we want to do another things. So we want to, uh, to do like an established house. You know, when I first met uh, the Pino families, I said to them, you know, I would love the, the house, the Giambattista Valley house to sit in the, to sit in the, in the middle of the, the Olympo of these historical haute couture houses that France have. So what we want, we want to bring to another step to become, to, you know, to, to, to get something established to the house. Well, I'm sure that you will move ever forward because you're always so full of ideas. Yet there's <laughs> one strange thing I want to say to you, and it's not a criticism, but it's just that I always feel that you have a story in your ready-to-wear and couture, especially the couture collections, a story that is so often looking back at the past and the life of a particular woman. You're always saying to me that you were inspired by and then you go on and you talk about this woman until I can see her standing in front of me. And how does it work when you're putting a, a collection together? Do you really see the person that you want to wear your clothes or is it that this is somebody you actually know and you kind of Pick her out and you think of making the clothes that would suit her. How, how does it happen? As I say to you, I want to, to tell the story of the now. So I'm always very present on the moment. So what I love to do is to, do the, to dress a woman right now. But I think that the past is very important as a cultural support. So I always look at the past, not as, uh, as you say, romantic memories, but just as a cultural side. I love it. I love it to, to, to get it from the past. For example, in this profession, I love it to look at the past in the gestures, in the techniques, in the shapes, in the cultural side of this profession. And at the same time, I love to put in relations like different kind of women from the past and from now to see uh, what, this is, what is the impossible conversation about two these two characters. But at the end, when I sketch the collection, every single dress for me, it's like one girl that it's like in my reality. So every time it's funny because I'm, I'm on the phone, for example, with Bianca that I really love that, you know, we grew up together, we can say, and I'm like, okay, this dress, it can really suit you. The other one, it can really suit uh, Lauren. The other one, it can really suit. And it's really funny because it's like, I have uh, uh, this silhouette like on, on the floor and I see 
one of one of each like uh, on reality on one of each of these real girls of now and so my mind it goes of course in the past in the cultural side uh, in the artistic side in a professional side in a traditional side whatever you want it's the curiosity and then the other side I'm very attentive to 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 see the gestures of somebody now so that's I think it's like the things that he makes that kind of uh, energy uh, on the runway because I mean there is something from the past but it's something that it's so now and it brings you to the future so it really doesn't put you like in a in a proper like moment. So is it what I was suggesting to you also a mother and daughter feeling because you do actually and literally have daughters who are now growing up no doubt in, into mothers but you you might have started with their mother or isn't it really like that does it just does it just happen? I think I started I started with daughters that it was the Valley Girls uh, when I were very really really start and there was all this front row of girls like they, they were like my friends or they were the daughter of my friends so there was all the Bianca the Coco the Tatiana Eugenie and all these girls that are like my my girls on the front Charlotte and whatever like on the front of the of the runway and then little by little uh, you know they, they started to to arrive the mothers and I think it's very important to be uh, to do not discriminate anybody, do not discriminate not only on the shape of somebody, but do not discriminate even on the age. Uh, I think the people right now, it's too much obsessed about millennials. But, you know, I think that there is just a philosophy, I think, of a mind. And I don't care about the age of this person. I just care about what is it, what it sits in this person, in his mind, soul, in the attitude, in the gesture. And this you can see it from somebody of 18, of somebody of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And it's really funny because the other day I says to, to Bianca, I says, I would love to do one day a picture of Bianca and Coco Brandolini. And Coco, you know, she has three daughters. And then Georgina Brandolini and then Christiana Brandolini, the grandmother. So to have like four generations like together all in Giambattista Valley, because, you know, it's not a problem of age. I don't care about age. I think the, the, the most important thing is to dress a soul, to dress a woman, whatever it is. Uh, then the proportion, of course, shorter or longer. But the same jacket you can interpret it as a daughter, as a mother, I was a, gr- gr- a grandmother or whatever. If, if, I remember. I remember Joe Botano used to sell, tell me something. He used to say, you know, the big success of the label is when the same jacket you can you can uh, sell to the mother and the daughter, and even the grandmother. Everybody's gonna wear with something. Is it the daughter with a t-shirt and jeans? The mother with a short skirt? The grandmother with like a longer skirt? Who cares? But you know, this is the success. And actually, it was a great lesson because I think there are three sentences that are very important for me. I always say. I age less, effortless, and timeless. So I love the idea of something that there is no age, so everybody can wear it. You can interpret it the way you can wear it. The second one is uh, effortless. I hate everything that it's make you, it puts you like in, in an effort. I love just the idea that you do, you take a shower and you just zip a dress and you feel comfortable in it and there is nothing like, uh, complicated as to be again be complex. There, there can be complexity, but not complication. The complication I hate, and then timeless. Why? Because I hate when uh, somebody buy the dress of the moment and then this is on after you trash it away. You know, I love when you buy something and then 
the time pass on it and, and they get even more charm and charm and charm. And you want to wear it back again and wear it back again. I, I wear it back again. I hate like the consum- consumistic side on clothes. I love when, you know, the clothes you really want to hold in the new wardrobe. You don't want to, to get rid of them. You want to dress it again and again with them because you feel comfortable with them because they're like almost like that kind of complicity that you have with old friends. And so when you're tired, you, you're obliged to go to a cocktail or something, you're wearing something that you make, make, make you feel like comfortable, good with yourself. It doesn't make, it doesn't put you in danger. There is no effort. This is beautiful because at the end, you know what? It's my story. It's to support the real life of somebody and not to complicate it. Can I ask you something which is a little personal? I wanted to know whether becoming a father has changed your priorities to the fashion industry as well as to your own life. I remember you telling me how you, I think it was this last summer, you went to Italy to be with your mother and your family. And these are really moments to cherish, I believe. I certainly feel that myself. So tell me about becoming a father. <laughs> I became nine years ago, almost ten, very soon in March. <laughs> but but uh, it's uh, it's one of the it's probably the best experience of my life. I cannot tell you. Now the dream coming true. You see, I'm very lucky. It's so refreshing, you know, to have uh, a normal life, not to have like a, a a kid and to go outside the school and to talk to other, the other the other parents and then to spend the holidays with the cousins, with the grandmother, and with all of them. It's so beautiful, you know, but we are very un- un- uh, unconventional at the same time because, for example, I don't know, we brought my mother with our son in Mykonos and then we went to Italy. And so it's like, you know, I have a very special mother and, and she's a very special grandmother. So it's very nice to think because we live a kind of uh, extraordinary normality, <laughs> we can say. But I really love because I, I think I, uh, what it gave me that kind of stability in my life that I have this one as a childhood. You know, I have a very, a very a beautiful family that it was like supporting that kind of family kind of ideas to stay all together and to be respectful one to the other, to the other one and to supporting one to the other one. And I want to give it the same kind of stability or the same kind of, of uh, experience to my son and him then to grow in his way. But, you know, but to, to, for him to know that he, everybody's over there for him. Tell me something about how you live um, and the... Um, pieces of furniture is what I'm thinking of because you may not remember but I do that we crossed each other viewing the Hubert de Givenchy estate auction um, in Paris and um, I I wasn't buying anything I was writing about it but did you look at these things were you actually thinking of of making some of these extraordinary pieces so beautifully um, chosen by Hubert de Givenchy, um, were you thinking of taking something into your own home? I was trying, but you know, it was so successful, the, the sales, uh, and I was so happy for Christie's. It was so extremely successful that uh, that everything went way high. But it was, I was so happy for, for them, and I was so, so happy because, you know, Hubert de Givenchy, it's a man that always impressed me a lot. Like, I was always one, one of the three, like, most impressive, like, persons, like, in the fashion world for me. Why? 
why? Because uh, I think um, what 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 impressed me is that kind of uh, uh, vision that he goes as a philosophy of his life. So it's not only the clothes; it's everything. It's it is a kind of obsession that he goes uh, in the story of his life, in every gesture, movement, in every every time that he was choosing something, he was coherent and he was telling you the entire story. So uh, what 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 I loved it about the exhibition that it was so beautiful, it was uh, that kind of coherence that it's not even like something built it up. It's something so natural. You understand? There was, I mean, it's so natural in the way that he couldn't do it in the other way, in in a different way. You know, everything it was naturally chosen. There was no force. He what he didn't want it to be another one. He just wanted to be himself. And he beat it out himself in such a coherent way. Everything he was effortlessly, effortless, choose choose it in such an effortless way. Even the Picasso, you know, the drawing of the little, the, the satire, like it was something effortless. Everything he was effortless in his collection. That it was so beautiful. That it made it, you know, you remember when we went over there, the thing that I had as, as a first impression, it was the kind of, fresh um, attitude that there was inside. Everything was looking so contemporary because everything had that kind of, uh, that it's, 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 I think it's always the philosophy of his, his story, you know, his houses, his gardens, his, his embroideries, his, his volumes, uh, his uh, Audrey Eber next to him, you know, everything, it was one story. And so I hope one day, I have, you know, it's, it's, it's a great lesson. So I hope that one day I'm going to have uh, a story to tell as he told it. I hope that um, one day you'll be making even more um, things that are specialities. And um, you have now that bridal business, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know whether it's because everybody you know is getting married and so it's good business. Or is it because you're a romantic at heart? It's because uh, I'm, I'm first, I think, well, of course, uh, I, I'm, I'm known for all my garden kind of side, my gardening side, my flowers, my romantic side, my respect to this woman. And, and this, I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm known for like the kind of dreaming side or happy time side. So I always support happy times that have like uh, amazing celebrities or A-list uh, socialites uh, coming and asking to me to, to, to do their wedding dress. But, you know, I think the secret is because I don't do any rituals dress, you know. My wedding dress, not wedding dress, you know, that like probably dreaming dress, party dress, uh, enjoying dress, whatever it is, but there is nothing about the ritual. So you don't feel the weight of the ritual, but everything it's light, everything it's about... Uh, effortless, everything it's about, uh, happy time. And so I think there is nothing institutional on them. And that's why I think that that's the, 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 the secret of the success. And so I started to have a lot of, uh, of demand on wedding dress. I was doing a lot on haute couture. I'm still doing a lot on haute couture. But, you know, I didn't want to get any frustration because haute couture, there is not access for everybody. So I wanted to give it like the opportunity, you know, to share happy times with all the women that they want to show happy times with me. And it was very funny because you remember when I did the, the, the collaboration with H&M? Of course. You cannot imagine how many girls that got married with an H&M dress. 
<laughs> and it was fantastic, you know. I want to, I want to know the number. I'm waiting for you to tell us. H&M it went sold out in a second. I mean, they went sold out worldwide. In the, in the they say H&M in the in the story of the the collect H&M collection, it was one of the three uh, best, uh, as you say, successful uh, collection. But but you know, it was I was impressed to see all this kind of happiness of these like curse that they could wear like a Giambattista Valley dress to a wedding. So the story is like, and then I started to say, you know, it was during COVID, mostly like in my country, Italy, uh, there was so much pain around. There was so many deaths. But at the same time, it was a moment that put us like into a mood of, of, of getting back our mind and uh, getting, getting back our soul and have this kind of introspection conversation with ourselves. So it was at the same times when these horrible moments, you can get something, the, you, can, you can find something poetic on it. So, so, you know, I'm always somebody that even in the darkest moment, I want, I, I want, I want to be always positive in negative situation. And so when I was thinking, I really wish that it's going to pass this moment, thank God passed. And I said, and I would love to share a more happy moment. I want to share this moment of beauty with these people. So I think it's a right the moment to bring it out a collection called the Love Collection, that is like a wedding collection. And every time I, I, I bring it out, uh, this kind of iconic silhouette of Giambattista Valli, the customer, they send it to me on Instagram, them wearing the Giambattista Valli dress, and they thanks me so much. And it's really like beautiful to have this kind of, uh, of uh, thanks back. And, and I say, I want, I want you to share. So, you know, I say, let's create something that is uh, much more like closer to the ready to wear. But, you know, that's something that you can wear it for a, your special day. The bride, they were dreaming this moment from the childhood. So, I mean, I want to support that kind of dream with them. Tell me something on the practical side. How many actual shops have you got now? Um, I mean, I know about Paris, obviously, and Italy. Um, am I right in thinking that you're in Korea as well? There is a Korea, and then there is uh, in Milano, and then uh, we have some shopping shop, like in department stores. But you know, we this this is this is going to be the kind of evolution that we are going to go, go on the next step. Uh, you mean opening more stores in the future for sure? We're going to have like you know, it's something that it took it a little bit too late because you know, cause of COVID. But it's something that is like in the in the future. Yeah. Didn't you tell me you're doing some other things? You you're you're doing a beach club line and you're doing yeah. tableware with the modo operandi. Um, so you're you're spreading out a little bit just from the clothes. But the beach worry it's something because you know I, I what what we really want it's like to finalize and to you know to really build up on, anteriorly this wardrobe of this Giambattista Valley woman and so there are like so many things that that. that they're building up around. It's not about the ready to, only about the ready to wear the haute couture, and then there is the love collection of wedding, and then there is the beach club that is almost like part being part of the Giambattista Valley beach club, and and you know, and you got the card of the beach club, and there is this kind of fantasy around going to the beach, the pool, to the uh, being on the boat or whatever it is. So something like sharing this moment too with me, and then the, the accessories, uh, shoes and bags. So we have finalized all this like Giambattista. Valley wardrobe and putting like together like the, the entire wardrobe in the sense that you can come to me and you can find everything you want. 
Yeah, I can dress you in every moment. I can dress you to go to the beach. I can dress you for your wedding. I can dress you to go to the school to pick up your kids, but I can dress you like on a red carpet. So the idea is like to give it to, and I can dress you. I can dress your mother. I can dress your daughter. You understand? So it's this idea to, you know, to, to welcome a new friend coming and she can find something to dress in every single moment of her day. Well, don't forget to tell me about your red carpet customers because um, I was pretty impressed when I looked through and um, I saw Amal Clooney, I saw J-Lo, I saw a lot of people, but they all seemed to wear, I mean, the dresses are not sexy in that sense of, of showing half the body, but they were <laughs> sort of sensual, I would describe them. Is that your aim? Totally. I always, I always follow up on sensuality, never, never on sexiness. I mean, it's sensual, but you know, it, with them, it, there is always this amazing like conversation. They understand me, I understand them. I think the secret is the way that I don't see them as celebrities, but I see them as uh, I see the woman that is sitting on them. And so uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, as you say, there is something always very human on the things that I, I propose to a celebrity. There is always that kind of, I don't want just to do the scoop, you know what I mean? I, I love to the idea that uh, she's in comfort, I'm in comfort, and Dizzy makes that kind of magic on the red carpet. Um, there's one last thing I want to talk to you about, and that is Lee Radswell, sadly no longer with <laughs> us. But she was your muse for such a long time, and as sister to um, Jacqueline Kennedy, she had such a natural sense of elegance and glamour and fascination. I never really knew her. I mean, she always smiled at me and said, hello, Susie, but that was it. What was she like as a person? And has she led to other muses with the same character? Actually, I think she was saying with you with a cigarette, hello, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> you are so but actually, right. Actually, no, she, she was more than a muse, like a mentor. You know, every single thing that I told you until now, it was like... In it was really on reality on her, that kind of harmony with herself, that kind of uh, uh, ageless kind of idea, that kind of uh, gesture that I'm telling you. You know, every single thing that I told you until now, it was like, it was really on reality on her, that kind of harmony with herself, that kind of uh, uh, ageless kind of idea, that kind of gesture that I'm telling you, the way she was dressing, the way that her houses they were, the way she was talking, the way she was thinking, the way she was pulling out like some memories in a, such an ed edited way. And this, it was the biggest lessons that I, gave it, I, I, get it from, I got it from her. But for me, another, another amazing part of the story was sometimes to go with Lee and Bianca together and everything, and having two like totally different generation, like having this kind of conversation between the two generations, between the two generations, and seeing them exactly the same age, because they were just, uh, they are just the same philosophy of woman or girl or whatever. I remember, I remember Lee telling me, I want to be a Gwali girl too. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, she's somebody that I miss for the quality. If we were talking about, you know, Hubert de Givenchy before, she was the major idea of this kind of obsessions and, uh, how can I say, and um, this kind of coherence on the way of live, living their own life. Everything was co coherent. Every single thing, it was coherent 
from a smell, the color of whatever, uh, of a flower, a little drawing hanging on the wall, the way to, yeah, to smoke a cigarette or the way to bring it out like a memory just with one word or one, one sentence and giving to you the flavor of the story in one sentence. Uh, everything, it was so perfect, you understand? Uh, so it's exactly the same when we were talking about Hubert uh, de Givenchy and Christis. I mean, there was that kind of perfection, what I think I really, I really miss the most. And it's, it's, this is not about money, eh? I'm not talking about money, I'm just talking about a philosophy of your life. And I think this, after COVID, the people is paying much more attention. It's much more attention about that kind of beauty, harmony, that kind of looking and really like realizing at the moment what's around around you because the people i think during covid as myself you look around and you look around even at the misery around you you understand and so the the people they wanted to take care about their skin they wanted to take care about i don't know the the book that they were reading the 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 house they were living into uh, and everything. So, and Lee, she, for me, she was the, she's still the biggest, she's going to be all my life, my biggest obsession and my biggest, um, you say, master's idea of uh, what is this coherence in life and the, what, what, what it means like editing a life just with a gesture. I remember the first time that I had dinner with, with Lee, first, 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 first time. It was with Andre Leontali. And we were, and we were like, it was fantastic. And we were in the house, in a, in, a, in a very intimate dinner for Andre. And we were in the house where we were sitting in the bedroom of this house having a dinner of somebody, belonging to somebody else. And there was a beautiful Francis Bacon like hanging on the wall with a babuin. And I was, and Lee, she was sitting on my right side and she was wearing a white ermine fur shirt. Like, you know, the poplin shirt, but in ermine <laughs> with a pair of black trousers. And it was so hot in this. And she was not even, not even a drop. She was perfect. You know, that kind of magic that you cannot get anymore, you know. So I'm fascinated about, about I was always obsessive, fascinated about her because, uh, she, she's one of a kind, you know, and some, somebody, somebody that is going to live like her, like Franca Sozzani, you know, people that were like amazing mentors to my life, people with that kind of quality, the moment that they're going to leave, it's very difficult to find, you know, it's one of a kind, it's one. It's so fascinating to hear you because you're so articulate. It's very interesting how you have a window in so many things. You have a window to loyal clients, you have a a window to celebrities, you have a window to people who love, and all these things are so important. It, it's I feel after all that we've gone through over the last two years that fashion, in its own words, is not enough. There has to be more to it. There has to be more depth. And maybe I'm being romantic, but I think perhaps if I am, you are a romantic too. No, no, you're perfect because I think that that kind of romantic side is very important right now. It's very important because, I mean, after that moment, as I told to you, people right now is looking with new eyes and they're, they're like so starving about beauty, about harmony, about something that is really puts you like in a kind of cocoony kind of uh, atmosphere, something that it really holds you and caress you, you know. Giambattista Valli, you have given such an interesting and inside view of your life and your feelings. I feel proud to have listened to it. Thank you so much. But I take this occasion, my dearest Susie, 
to thank you for all the support and the passion that you gave it to me from the beginning of my story and you still give it to me and you give it to all the new generation. What I love so much about you right now is that you go to every single new designer to discover it, to support it and to give it to him the chance. And this is so rare and so beautiful. And I thank you for my story but I can thank you for all these kids that you discovered and support because it's a blessing to them as it was a blessing to me. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susie. I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Giambattista. It was so interesting to hear your graceful and thoughtful words. So poetic. Your red carpet outfits for women like Amal Clooney and J-Lo are equally admired by your loyal clients. And with more shop openings to come, I can't wait to follow the growth of your company. It's been a joy to talk to such a rare and passionate designer. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, Music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels. Music